All right, welcome into the Best Coast Fantasy Football Podcast. My name is Brandon. I'm joined here by the Worth Brothers. Hey, yo, how's it going, on, everybody? This is Jordan. Hey, what's up? It's your boy Josh. All right, so yeah, man, how you guys doing today? How Dude, you guys I'm dealing with this heat? Wetting, bro. I'm not even gonna lie. We're all over here at Brandon's house. He's got AC, and it should be fine, but it is not. No, it's uh, I struggle with this. I don't know how people live in like Arizona. You're talking about Arizona places. earlier today. How are you doing down yeah. there? Is it uh, is it? I mean, it's 103 or whatever right here. It's not actually. It's like 95. But. Well, like Zach's in California, and he's he said it was like 80. Yeah, yeah. 70, 72. They're doing normal just fine. For them. Yeah, so we're yeah. up in here, up here in the Pacific Northwest, where it's supposed to be like a max of 85. I'm sweating. Hit like 99 today. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, that's, that's where we're at. I don't know how people are playing football right now in training camp. Yeah, those guys got to be dying, but <laughs> I, I, it, it's hard for me to walk out to my front porch. Dude. So <laughs> Yeah, I'm not putting on pads for nothing right now, dude. Yeah. Uh, all right, well, let's hop into some news that's been uh, going around the league today. Um, the big one is the, the Nikhil Harry ankle injury. Um, did you hear anything about that, Jordan? Yeah, uh, I was actually uh, tweeted out shortly after the news came out that he had an ankle injury, that it's a high ankle sprain. He is going to see a specialist to find out how much time he's going to miss. So uh, we don't have anything for sure on uh, a timeline, but we'll just have to monitor that. But he's he's probably not going to be ready for the beginning of the season. And, uh, you know, these high ankle injuries can kind of plague guys for a while. So. Uh, he wasn't a guy I was very high on anyways for fantasy football. So, um, But it, it could definitely maybe improve the stock of some of the other Bears wide receivers a little bit as it narrows the target tree. That's exactly how I looked at it, too. I didn't think he might he would really see the field all that much. But now it's you know now he's really not going to see the field, and that just makes a, a little better opportunity for guys like a Bayless Jones. I don't, I'm not drafting him anywhere, but you know he might see a, a little better opportunity at the beginning of the season than we thought. I've already spoke on the whole Bears offense, so <laughs> I'm still out on the whole Bears it's a, offense. It's a monolith to, to Brandon. <laughs> yeah. Um, so the other one is uh, Kareem Hunt uh, requesting his trade. Came out, said he wanted to trade. Brown said, no chance. We're not We're not letting you go. Uh, I did hear that he was back at practice today. So the Holden practicing with the first team offense. Yeah, the, yeah, the, the Holden. In yeah, the, the Holden did not uh, did not take very long for him to say I'm back on the field. So uh, I would monitor monitor it a little bit though, uh, because there's a lot of teams out there that he could go to where he could easily jump up into the RB one conversation if he lands there. Yeah. Uh, I've heard talk of Philly, um, maybe reuniting back in Kansas City. I, I mean, I would just keep an eye on it because if it does yeah. happen, his... There's no way he's going back to Kansas City. I just think that would be man. so fun. Okay, like when we saw Kareem Hunt in Kansas City, his first ever game was like the greatest game by a rookie in their first game of all time. I think he had like 42 points in his very <laughs> first game as an NFL player. Came out and shocked the world. And but it was no, so I think it was like watch. 180 receiving yards and it was ridiculous if he goes to kansas he's, city is he in your top great. 10 yes there's a long period of yes. silence here but i would yes i would take him in my top 10 i would put him in my top six yeah cool. i it would be that would be insane. i don't i mean i don't can't say it's not out of the realm of possibilities but that would just there's no way it's happening i also put it at like a one percent chance but i would immediately so move him way way up my <laughs> i think another interesting spot for him to land would be over in the falcons 
uh, in Atlanta, that would be a good spot where Just destroy the Tyler exactly. Algier. <laughs> well, and a little bit of the, the Cordero Patterson hopes too. I mean, he's, I think they would just make the back. full switch to wide receiver for him. Then. I think that'd be yeah. A good, yeah. I mean, he could still see carries out of the backfield too, but it would just be that you know he's the a change of pace exactly. role to Kareem Hunt. What would he's that Swiss do? Army knife again. What would that do to Chubb for you guys then? Mm, it does more to Dearness Johnson for me. Yeah, I, I think uh, it does a little for Chubb. Is he's just going to be on the field a little bit more? But overall, like I think they still want to use the split backfield yeah. there. And, and they drafted a rookie this year, didn't they? A rookie running back. Um, crazy. Well, they had a guy last year who was a rookie who kind of contributed a little bit. I'm blanking on the name. Dearness Johnson. Yeah. Did, well, they had Dearness Johnson. Didn't they have another guy who came out of the? Uh, the other football league. Yeah, I can't think of who it is. The other football league, but I can't think of it either. But I know what you're saying. But to me, it uh, would Dimitri it would. Dimitri Felton Jr. was another guy too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's had a little. He's bit a of pass catching back. Pass catching back. back so. Jerome, Jeremy Ford or Jerome. Oh, that's Ford. right. Yeah. So, I mean, it wouldn't do a lot for Chubb for me. It would do way more for Kareem. I mean, I just can't imagine what his ADP would do. If- Chubb's, I mean, Chubb's going to get the work he's going to get. I don't like, I don't think it's really going to affect that. I just, and I also don't think Kareem Hunt's going anywhere, frankly. Like, I don't either. But I mean, if, if a team that was trying to compete, Philly, uh, I mean, even, I mean, I mean, even what if like Buffalo made a run at him? I, I mean, that'd be James Cook value too. That'd be really interesting, but they've already invested quite a bit in that position. Although it seems like they're back to being unsatisfied with Devin Singletary because there's reports in camp that, uh, you know, uh, Zach Moss is getting goal line work and James Cook looks great in their receiving game. And it's like, okay, they wanted JD McKissick. They, they wanted McKissick to take the passing downs. Yeah. So I don't know what's going on and there. They're obviously not satisfied run. with what they've got. You know, I mean, there's there's a few different teams that I've I've seen on Twitter. People, you know, it, obviously it's all speculation. They already said yeah. the Browns already said we're not letting him go. We're not we're not going to let him move on. So, just something to monitor. I wouldn't necessarily say that it's uh, something that's going to happen for sure, but I would definitely keep an eye on it because his ADP would change. Uh, maybe take the risk in best ball now. Well, you can if you're right. drafting in best ball. I mean, he still has standalone value as it is, but where he's being drafted in best ball, he ends up someplace where he's the RB one. Yeah, I've seen him consensus like RB thirty five. That could win some. That could win you some money for sure. So, well, and in the last round of your draft, remember the Dearness Johnson name because if Kareem Hunt leaves, Dearness Johnson is going to get a lot more work, and that you know that second running back role in Cleveland has been really valuable for the last few years. It's been valuable he's for certainly, him in particular too. Yeah. And he's not getting drafted at all. I mean, he did great last year in the fill-in yeah. games that he played. So yeah, the guy comes in and almost looks better in the role. But Hunt looked really good last year too. I think a lot of people kind of forget that um, in when he was playing, he was extremely effective. He just doesn't get a ton of looks per game. So definitely. Um, and then the next thing we need to talk about is Marquise Brown. Um, I haven't had any really updates since he was arrested for criminal speeding. Um, do you guys think that he's going to miss any time? Uh, that's just something I've seen coming up on Twitter. I don't think so personally. I don't think he'll get. I don't. I don't see a suspension. Um, I mean, it's it's hard to tell, but it, it kind of depends on what comes of it. I mean, I did see all of the things that he was ticketed for, and it was pretty crazy. I mean, over eighty-five miles an hour, uh, over thirty-five approaching a school zone. I mean, it was it was pretty extensive what he was ticketed for, but 
I don't necessarily see a suspension. I don't. Yeah. I haven't changed anything. Luckily, on, nobody on was end. hurt. Um, there didn't seem to be any, you know, still uh, an idiot substances involved. Yeah, just, just a really dumb choice. Yeah. So. But you know, speeding is is uh is common, and if you have a crazy, crazy fast car, then you know you're probably more likely to do it. Frankly, so yeah. Um. Yeah. All right. So now we're gonna hop into the segment for today. We are calling it "I love him, I love him not, I love him, I love him not." So basically, what we're what we're getting into with this one is just those those parts of the draft where you're at, where you're you're stuck on certain players. You're not sure where you want to go, which player you want to pivot to. These are basically rounds five through 10, where there's a tough choice at a different running back. Do you go running back? Do you go wide receiver? Where are you at in the draft? So we're going to, we're going to give each other, you know, three players in certain positions of the draft that we're just not sure about to try and give you some advice or try and sway each other on, on where we would go, why you would select, you know, that player in that position and just see what the the differences of opinion are. Maybe this will help you when you get to a draft because you're going to be sitting here looking at these three players, trying to decide which one you want to go with and, or which one you don't want to go with, why you might pass up and wait till a later round to take that running back Mm -hmm. or take that wide receiver. So um, why don't we get started with our, we'll we'll start with uh, the love hymns on this one uh, for the first round. So, uh, Jordan, why don't you give us your your first three love hymns the that are near the same ADP, and we'll we'll try and talk that one out. Absolutely. So uh, I, I'm sitting here, and I'm I've I've got a little flower, and I'm pulling off the petals for these guys because in the eighth round, these running backs are just fantastic. In our mock draft last night, they went eight point three, eight point four, and eight point six. And if I was sitting there at the 8.3 looking at all three as I can have any of them, well, I just... whatever you want, Jordan. And I don't don't know. I want want them all. Well, you can't have them all. So to me, when I look at this list... Let let me say who they are real quick. It's it's Devin Singletary went at 8.3, Rashad Penny running back for Seattle went at 8.4, and Chase Edmonds is the running back for the Miami Dolphins. He went at 8.6. Singletary's for Buffalo. Um, so, yeah, just all three of these guys at this value, fantastic. Right. You are deep in now. You have your your roster, your starting roster. You know, you might not have taken your QB or your tight end yet, but you know who's going to be in your RB1, your RB2 spot. Uh, Maybe. Because if you – speaking of the way this one fell, last in, in, our, in our mock draft that we did in episode two, Jordan – did not have his RB2 yet by the time he made it to this position. That's a good point. He had so, taken Austin Eckler and then waited all the way till the eighth round to take Melvin Gordon. Yeah. And I would have rather had any of these guys over Melvin Gordon. The and and so when you when you look at the way his roster breakdown actually went, you don't have you may not if you're going hero RB or you're going zero RB. It's true. And you don't have someone by the time you get to this eighth round that's where you have to make the decision of who you're going to go with. And when I look at these three players on who I think has the potential to have the better season to me, Singletary is the lowest for me because I think cook has the potential to eat into those or take over that. And like you talked about in the news section, you know, he's already losing 
you know, the, the reps with the first team. So but Brandon, he ended last year. So strong. And Doesn't he that could, mean anything he, to you? He could, but he's the lowest of those three to me. He's one that I've actually passed on a lot in drafts. He would probably be more in my love him not side just because I'm not sure of what that backfield is going to look like. Devin Singletary is one of these players that's in my personal doghouse, and he has been since, uh, I think, his rookie year. So uh, he's he's a player that I have had immense difficulty figuring out when I can actually play him, and it almost never works out for me in my favor. Um, the end of last year was was something really cool to watch, and I hope that that does continue for him because if he continues in this role – as you know, as he gets goal line carries and all this other stuff. Zach Moss is not even part of the equation anymore. Then woohoo! And I got a big round of applause for him. But I'm still not going to have him on my team probably when there's especially Rashad Penny and Chase Edmonds sitting. If there. he was the standalone one in Buffalo, his value is way higher. That's just the way I look at it. Here's but. what you guys might be missing on Devin Singletary. He plays for the Buffalo Bills. These other guys play for, for the Buffalo Miami Dolphins career. and the Seattle Seahawks who are going to be terrible. And while, and Rashad Penny's opportunity, I mean, they're calling him the starter there. He looks like he could have an absolute ton of volume. But there's only one way one of these guys is falling into the end zone for a 15 to 20 touchdown season, and that's playing for a team like the Buffalo Bills, who's capable of actually doing that. But what is the Chase Miami Edmonds Dolphins this maybe year? the outside chance of doing that's, that because he can add it in the passing that's game? That's where my arrow is But man, oh man, the, I don't think anybody here is going to say that the, that the Miami Dolphins are anywhere near what the Bills are as an offensive unit. Not even chance, but if I was – so. In in this in these three guys, I would rank them: Chase Edmonds, Rashad Penny, Devin Singletary. That's, I'm in lockstep. Yeah, um, Rashad Penny, I think has man. You know what, Jordan, you make a compelling argument for Devin for Devin Singletary, and I might be switching a little bit in my rankings here and and take that into account a little bit because I don't. And Penny has competition too. Like, it, so does Chase Edmonds. Frankly, I mean, some of these other guys have been in that Miami system longer, um, and I think they're going to use a split backfield there. So I don't think yeah. it's just Chase Edmonds. You're going to see like they've got Sony Michelle there, who I think could work in. They've Mostert. still got they've got Mostert, who's I mean, he's lightning in a bottle, which doesn't last very long, but um, he's lightning for a game. Yeah, and but- then. All three of these players are in sp- split backfields. Though. Yep, that's you the have James Cook, rounds. you have Kenneth Walker, and you have multiple guys in Miami. Yeah, but so right now, there too. Chase yeah. Edmonds is running with the ones in offense in camp. Rashad Penny is healthier than he's ever been. He's never gone into camp healthy, you know. And you talk about okay, you, okay, they draft capital. They use draft capital on uh, Kenneth Walker. They used draft capital on Rashad Penny, and they then they went with Chris Carson. Yeah, and then they went with Chris Carson. They're going to go with the better back, and they don't care about draft capital. Yes, I think Kenneth Walker is going to get usage, but the fact that Kenneth Walker is going, I mean, he's going, what, he's two, going two full Rashad rounds? Yeah. Uh, he went at the 6-7 in our mock last night. That that's There are people who so desperately want to believe in Kenneth Walker this year, and while I think he's a great own for Dynasty long-term, like that's just... I, I think people are being unrealistic because it's not going to be a good offense and they've already told us what they want to do. They want to run Rashad Penny like they still have him under contract there. He's basically done nothing. And so like they need to see if he's going to be worth 
like, you know, making a long-term starter now that he's actually healthy, or if they need to, you know, fully move on to Ken Walker and they're going to like, they're going to use a split here. And, yeah. But, but they're a- gonna, we know in Seattle it. that they're going to lean on the run. Yeah. Yes. Both are going to get a lot of carries and both are not going to like they're both going to score single digit touchdowns. Yeah. I mean, in that That's offense, what you yes. want a piece of I've That's... dealt with Drew Locke and you will score. And neither is going to have a big passing down role as far as we know. So nah. that's. But we also you know, we also I, I saw we also saw in the Drew Locke offense, Drew Locke and Teddy Bridgewater last year that there was two successful running backs in that offense in Melvin Gordon and Javante. There's a chance that Penny could have a good offense or have a good season anyways. He did, you know, I mean, I, I and that's why I'm, I'm drafting Rashad Penny in place. This is why it's so tough between these three guys because I can make so many arguments for and against all three of these guys, and it's really, really tough for me to decide. Do I Do I take the guy who's you know, the obvious pass catcher in an up and coming offense. Do I take the guy who's the starter for a great offense, but uh, they obviously don't really have their full trust in him. Or do I take the guy on a really bad offense who has way better competition, but the team seems to really love him and just like, it's, it's a complicated situation. Now I don't, I think I'm still leaning penny as the last of these because I, I just don't see the upside as much. And I really, especially in the eighth round here, I'd want to kind of swing for the fences. Which one of which one do you think of Chase Edmonds and Devin Singletary could uh, score the most touchdowns this year? I think Chase Edmonds personally. But let me ask this. So if you were, I'm going to ask it two different ways. If you were going like you did last night, zero RB, pretty much zero RB all the way through, you get down to these three players, and this is going to be your RB2. Which one do you trust the most? Both of you guys. Which, so, Jordan, of, if this was going to be your RB2, which one would you want on your roster? And a full PPR like our mock was last night, I would like Chase Edmonds. Okay. Agreed. Agreed. Okay. Now, if this was, say, your RB4, um, and you were down to this position, this was going to be the fourth RB you took, would it change? Who would you go with? Yeah, give me Devin Singletary on the off chance he like just has a twenty touchdown year in in Buffalo. You know, like we don't know what's going to happen with the other running backs. Maybe James Cook doesn't shake out as well as as people think he will. Uh, maybe uh, you know Zach Moss gets a game or two, and then they decide that he is just as bad as he's looked the last few years. And Singletary ends up looking much more like he did at the end of last year throughout this season. Yeah, so. does it change for you, Josh? If this is the fourth RB you're going to take as opposed to your RB2 or RB1, for that matter, if you went full zero RB, would it change? Would you still stay with Edmonds? I think I'd still rather have Edmonds. Okay. Um, And this is really tough. Both of these guys don't have a good history of getting in the end zone. Yeah. Um, Edmonds had a four-touchdown season back in 2020. Devin Singletary had one, one touchdown last year which seems unbelievable to me, uh, but this is according to, you know, ESPN. I mean, let me take a look at this. Hold on. Is that just rushing or receiving? Cause I'm pretty sure he had more the way he ended that season. I would almost think that he had to have. Okay. You can com- confirm that. I'm confirming, but... This is regular season is the thing in the playoffs. He had more touchdowns. 
I would look at it. So if this, if I went zero RB and I was taking a flyer, I was, I was picking up an RB. Now I would certainly go with, uh, I would go with chase Edmonds. I just think he has the chance in an up and coming offense. He's looked pretty good in camp. He would be the one that I would choose. And I agree if it was my RB four, uh, maybe RB five, I would probably go someplace around. I would probably still go with Chase Edmonds, but I would definitely move Singletary up. It'd be Edmonds or or Penny if it was my first RB. Just to clarify, uh, Thanks, Chase, yeah, Singletary had seven rushing touchdowns last year. He only had one receiving touchdown. Okay, okay. That, ma- that makes sense because the way he, I was going to say the way he ended that season, it seemed yeah. it seemed higher than that. So yeah, and don't go to Google for your stats. Guys. Five five of his rushing touchdowns were in the last four weeks. Dang. Five of the seven. Okay. So, all right, let's move to the next three love hymns. So, uh, Josh, who are your three love hymns and what round are they in? My three love hymns are going to be in the ninth round. You can grab these guys pretty much in every draft, every 12 man draft uh, before the 10th round. They'll, they're going to be there. And uh, I think pretty much every one of these dudes will outperform their ADP. Um, my question really with drafting these guys is which one is going to help me win games on, you know, on weeks where I actually flex them. And it's so hard for me because I see all three of them being great ads. So it's, it's, uh, Chris Olave drafted at the nine five yesterday, Kadarius, Tony at the nine six and Alan Lazard at the nine seven. How do I pick? Well, I want to jump in here on the side of Kadarius Tony personally. I uh, I love his profile. I love what he does. Like after the catch, I love that like he's getting some camp hype this year. It sounds like he's going to be their like their number one wide receiver target for this Giants offense, which is going to have to throw the ball a lot because they are going to be behind in games all the time. Um. He is absolutely explosive after the catch, and they're going to find ways to get him the ball in like the short yardage screen game, get him the ball on slants, and try and get the ball out of Daniel Jones' hand before he can fumble it away. So <laughs> give me Kadarius Tony. I think he's going to see, like, uh, I'm not, I'd, I'd have to check my projections, but he's going to see well over 100 targets. Uh, whereas Alan Lazard, I have my concerns, I think, I've been trying to project Green Bay. I, I don't have them fully statted out yet. and trying to figure out how to allocate the targets there that I know Rodgers is going to throw almost 600 times this year, and I'm really struggling. Yeah, I'm for, for me, it's tough because I, I, I like Chris Olave. Um, I really do. I've tried to grab him in as many drafts as I can just because – I like the prospect. I like what he's doing in camp. I have seen him just torching their DBs in practice. I mean, some of the the routes and the cuts and things that he's made have been incredible. But uh, you also have Michael Thomas there. You have Jarvis Landry. There's the Michael Thomas part of this equation makes it so complicated because I want to just say Chris Olave. I want to go ahead and just like put my money in on the guy that the Saints traded up to get. They went and got their guy. I want to go and get my guy. But then Michael Thomas is healthy, I mean, supposedly, and practicing catching balls in camp. So it just makes me that much more nervous because if he's out there on the field, he's going to soak up targets, man. That's all he does is just manufacture plays for Michael Thomas. I think this one, too, comes down to 
your roster construction also going into this because yeah. if you're if you're pretty set at at uh the wide receiver position early on like so for instance like the way mine went last night you know i had justin jefferson t higgins jerry judy gabe davis and then it came down to me at the nine five spot and i actually had this choice i was the nine five mm-hmm. i had alave tony and lazard i had a choice of all three i was already set at wide receiver i i'm good with the other four wide receivers that i had i went with alave strictly for the potential upside. We mm-hmm. don't know what he's going to do in that offense. We don't know if he could emerge as the wide receiver one there. We don't know what Michael Thomas is going to come back as. Is he the ghost of Michael Thomas or is he the old Michael Thomas? Like we have no idea. Or is the old man Michael Thomas somewhere in the middle? Where yeah, I like- mean, we just don't know. Kadarius Tony, you, you make. I mean, you make a great point. For him. We've had a whole episode on why he was your tear jump candidate. Why we saw him making that jump, but to me, it came down to it. Lazard's the lowest on there to me, um, just because that offense confuses me, same as you. I don't know where to allocate those targets. I don't know what he's going to be. Uh, there's been a lot of talk of, you know, what Watson could be, what, you know, even Dubs, like, you know, what, what he's he getting could all be. the camp hype. Yeah, right like, you just... I, I mean, I don't buy too much into camp hype. <laughs> we, we, no, but we've it's had all this conversation. Right now. <laughs> If I was buying in the camp type, I would have already changed his name in my notes to Alan Balls Hard. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it just, you just never, you never know where these are going to go. But to me, I like the the flyer on Alave if your roster can allow it. But if you're needing a wide receiver that is almost guaranteed to be getting the targets, I think Kadarius Tony is your better option there. That's, I, yeah, that's a pretty stout analysis, I think. The Alan Lazard take, though. Man, I really I have trouble envisioning anybody else there stepping up. And he's, you know, supposedly clearing away the guy. So I want the guy for Aaron Rodgers. You know, I do. It just uh you know, I, I think Aaron Jones is gonna see a massive spike in volume, especially when he's, you know, running routes out of the slot, but it can only be so much to to the running back position and to Aaron Jones in, in particular. Like they're they're not going to just work him, work him, work him. So it's got to be an, a wide receiver there that, that steps up. And Romeo Dobbs is, you know, an, another dart throw guy at the very end of your draft that you could look at. But I'm not really looking at him in, in redraft leagues. Me but, either. And, you uh, know, but that's the thing. Somebody else there has to be valuable, you know. Yeah. By the time you get to round nine, most your roster should be pretty set by round nine. I mean, Unless you're doing similar to what you know Jordan did last night with the zero RB, you know you're you're likely going to be taking one of these three players on which one you think has the upside to do it. Which one is going to be that chance of turning into a wide receiver two or wide, good wide receiver three flex spot for you that could change your league? I mean that's what you're looking at right here in the ninth and tenth round is you're just hoping one of them turns into the guy that wins you your league. I mean, you look at what, you know, Cooper cup did last year. He was going in like the seventh round last year. He's had the greatest season, you know, we've seen in my fantasy football career. Two years ago was a a fifth or sixth round. I think he was going in the sixth round. round, Yeah. Yeah. So everybody knows yesterday in the seventh round, we had Drake London go Michael Thomas, Gabe Davis, Rashad Bateman, Deandre Hopkins, Juju Smith Schuster, and Elijah Moore. 
I think those are some some names that have a good shot at just way outperforming their. Well, why don't we jump into that? Uh, we're gonna jump into my my love hymns now, and two of those players are actually on there. Um, so my three love hymns are Brandon Cooks in Houston at the six point one. These are where they went last night in our sleeper, um, our mock draft that we did last night. So Brandon Cooks at the six point one. Rashad Bateman at the 7.7, and Juju went at the 7.10. I know Juju ended up slipping a little bit more because of the way uh, our our drafts kind of (laughs) were. You know, a quarterback had to go. So, you know, Juju has been going a little bit higher than that. But, you know, so if you were looking at the the seventh round, taking a flyer on one of these three players, you know, where – where would you look or, you know, how would you guys, I put, I put Brandon cooks in there um, because I'm just curious the, the thought on Brandon cooks and what's going on with that offense too. So, you know, if you had to choose between, you know, those three players at, at, at these two rounds, where would you be? If you hadn't, if you weren't taking a quarterback yet, you weren't taking a tight end kind of just curious where you guys would be at with these ones. So it, it's interesting because, like I, I like Brandon Cooks a lot, but I, I put him in my love him nots actually. Ooh, we have a our so, first discrepancy. <laughs> our discrepancy. Yeah, and uh, so we call the auditors. The the reason is the is is not because I hate Brandon Cooks or anything. I traded for Brandon Cooks in a dynasty league this off season. Um, I you know, and I think he's going to be like a really consistent and solid wide receiver for your team. The issue is that at the beginning of the sixth round, I don't want a consistent guy who's going to finish like wide receiver 17 or 18 or something like that. Like I'm trying to find a guy who can finish as like a top five wide receiver. Some of the guys going around him, including some of the guys you love Juju and Rashad Bateman could easily be the one on a much better offense than Brandon Cooks is playing for. And I, so I just think Cooks is, he's being like, he's being drafted at his floor probably, but that's also probably his ceiling is that he just keeps doing what he does every year. And if you go really RB heavy early on and he's going to be your wide receiver one while you swing for the fences later, then that's okay. I just, I'd rather swing for the fences immediately out of the gates and just try and find somebody who can really win me my league. Um, so the way that roster, the the roster that took Brandon Cooks, the way it kind of shook out was Diggs, Godwin went at the 512 and then on the turn took Brandon Cooks. Now, Godwin, there's a chance, yes, he's ready week one, but is he ready week one? Um, you know, so do you would you pivot then and take the risk on reaching earlier for a Juju abatement? I mean, even the players that went after him, uh, Amon Ross, St. Brown, Devonta Smith, Michael Thomas, Gabe Davis. I mean, there was, there was a few players that went after him. Would you, would you pivot on one of those players or do you like, because of the construction that he had as a wide receiver too, or would that even cause you to shift even more? I, I really like that pairing, honestly. Like yeah, a same. Brandon Cooks with a Chris Godwin or with a DeAndre Hopkins or 
somebody like that that you're hoping is going to give you explosive numbers towards the end of the season and you just want a, a Brandon Cooks who can be a consistent guy for you to play until those guys get you know either back in DeAndre Hopkins case or uh or fully back from injury in Chris Godwin's case that's I, I like that a lot. So it's always a roster construction thing and it's always an ADP thing too. Like if mm-hmm. Brandon Cooks is slipping beyond these guys in Juju and Bateman and you know those and Bateman especially, well, I'm rising on Juju quite a bit, but if he were to slip beyond those guys, then there's guys behind them that I'd much rather have Brandon Cooks over. So it, it's, it's it's just kind a of a compared to what thing and yeah. there's just a few guys i like a little bit more who are falling behind brandon cooks and i just i don't want to draft him there that makes sense yeah i think uh you know it it is a roster construction thing like if you look at my draft yesterday i had already taken three wide receivers at keenan allen uh, michael Pittman, and marquise brown by the time that brandon cooks would have come back to me um and you know those are all three guys that i'd rather have over cooks i took marquise brown while cooks was on the board and uh, I looked at taking Chris Godwin there, and that's where you know I maybe I do want Cooks then later in the draft if he falls all the way down there. Uh, but waiting and taking Rashad Bateman around later to me makes a little bit more sense because you're you're getting kind of that same floor if you ask me, where it's like he's the the wide receiver one for a team, and they're going to probably not have as high of a passing volume as you want. So there's also Mark Andrews there too, stealing away some of that volume. But there's going to be guys in, in you know Houston that catch the ball too. It's not just the Brandon Cook show. It's Davis Mills is a competent enough quarterback. He's not just hyper targeting Brandon Cooks every single. Week. So so they both. I think the reason why I looked at it with Brandon Cooks and Rashad Bateman is they both, I think, have similar uh, the amount of pass attempts and things that could come out of that offense and. I know that Lamar Jackson is obviously a better quarterback than Davis Mills, but when you look at a potential wide receiver one on those two teams, and you know, I I think there is a little bit of target competition for Rashad Bateman with Mark Andrews, and I don't know how much target competition there is for Brandon Cooks this year. Um, well, we were talking about Nico Collins earlier today, and I'm rising a little bit on him just as a you know dynasty asset or something like that, um, and then also they have. Uh, what's the tight end there? Brevin Jordan. Yeah, Brevin Jordan. People were talking about him too, but there was some news coming out that they were looking at using a different tight end in the pass catching role too. So yeah, but he he actually has been playing quite a bit with the offense in yeah. in camp, and I I've taken my shot on Brevin Jordan in a few best ball leagues at like you know very end. Just yeah. you, you don't know. I I mean in best ball it's different. You take three you know tight ends when sure. you when you kind of punt the position. So you know Brevin Jordan is one that I kind of have taking a risk on him and Adam Troutman are my two, like, why not? Let's see what happens type mm-hmm. of thing. Cause th- those offenses, you just never know. Um, Juju so to me is the guy with the lowest four highest ceiling here. So, uh, you know, if he ends up being the one in, in Kansas city, that's more valuable than the one in either of these two offenses. He has a much higher share of a, you know, potential share of an offense is going to put up a lot more touchdowns. Um, I, then again, though, the Ravens are one of those teams that can score a ton of touchdowns on a season. They are a running team and that's where i think if i was to rank these three i would i would probably go juju uh first and then um if i wanted the ceiling and they weren't going to be if if it was going to be my wide receiver two similar to what the team was that took 
um, Cooks at the six one. I, I understand taking Cooks there because you know what you're getting. You mm-hmm. don't know what you're getting with Bateman, and we have no idea what we're getting with Juju. Do we get the Juju that hasn't existed for a couple seasons, or do we get the you know Juju four years ago that it can you know be a top ten wide receiver? So, but it, it's overall, funny because like- Juju's in such a similar situation to Rashad Bateman, where the tight end there is kind of the the, the number one, yeah. one target who has the most chemistry with the quarterback. Who's the most, uh, yeah, the most competition for targets there. And who sees tons of volume in the red zone. Yeah. And neither was the one for that team last year. You know, Rashad Bateman, he didn't play a ton last year. um, And you had Hollywood Brown there. So it's just a very interesting thing that we're going to have to see how, how those players mesh with their new quarterbacks or, well, you know, like with the Bateman thing, like, Lamar was hurt last year. So was Bateman. They just didn't get a lot of time together. So it's a pretty new situation mm-hmm. for those two. Um, Juju, he's a little more of a veteran. It's probably a little easier transition, but still first year in the Kansas City offense. First year playing with Mahomes. So and it's going to be tough, but I think both those guys, the upside's higher than Brandon Cooks. And you yeah. want a guy who can win you your league, not just keep you afloat in most situations. If you've yeah. already taken those weak you know, league winning shots and mm-hmm. you need a stabilizing position. Brandon cooks is phenomenal. Like he's going to do that. And yeah. he, he could have an outlier season. Davis mills could be better than we think. And he could have an outlier season where he makes it into the top 12, maybe he's, due to other wide receiver injuries ahead of him and his consistency. But he's not going to finish wide receiver one in this offense. Yeah, he's, he's not going to move the needle that far for your team. So true. I'm going to throw out a crazy one though. Sorry. If, if, uh, Jimmy Garoppolo ended up in Houston. Would that change it for you? Would Brandon Cooks be someone that you would take sooner if if Jimmy G ended up in in Houston, or do you have no. just as much confidence in Davis Mills? It's not that I have just as much confidence in Davis Mills. I have just as much confidence in Brandon Cooks if he has, you know, a that's the one a mid grade quarterback versus like a slightly less than mid-grade quarterback that doesn't uh, it seems to me like it doesn't matter where brandon cooks goes or who his quarterback (laughs) is he will finish somewhere between like wide receiver 10 and wide receiver 20 every single year he does seem to be qb proof it's Uh, yeah that is what it is that's brandon cooks you just you know and he used to have the concern about concussions and missing time and stuff and that hasn't even been a concern recently he's also one of these players that i think people uh think of as older than he is because he's been in the league for eight years how, how old do you think do you think uh brandon cooks is 28 i was thinking maybe yeah 27 he's 19 no he's 28 years old which is a great age for a wide receiver uh davis mills and him now as you know going into their second year there's no there's really no reason on paper why we should expect brandon cooks to like take a step back at all step forward if anything because davis mills in another year in the offense and i think houston could be better this year than they were last year um that's not a high bar so that's true they can win three games this year (laughs) (laughs) so uh all right let's jump into now the the love him nots so these are the positions where we're stuck in um you know a position where do you even want to draft them do you pivot some yeah yeah do you pivot someplace else? Do they have the potential um, 
uh, you know, Jordan, why don't you talk about your other two since we, we kind of went over the Brandon Cook side of, of that one, but where would where would you be out here with these? Yeah, so my three players here for the Love Him Nots are going to be Amari Cooper at the 5-9 in last night's mock, uh, playing, uh, playing for the Cleveland Browns this year. Allen Robinson at the 5-11, who is playing for the Rams this year, and Brandon Cooks, like I said, at 6-1. So we're a little earlier than your picks, and those guys you were talking about, Juju and Bateman, I actually like ahead of these guys. These are all three like a little bit older wide receivers in maybe an unstable or not as well like established situation for them. You know, Cooper is on a new team again. Allen Robinson's on a new team. Brandon Cooks is with the same team, but he's got, uh, you know, a young quarterback who's still trying to figure it out in this league. So um, and a pretty bad offense all around. So. Uh, these three guys I'm just not in love with when I'm picking here in like the little, the middle to late fifth round or early sixth. And these guys are on the board and there's, there's a spot specifically in our keeper league when I've been running some mocks that these names seem to always be there. They're the top of the ADP. When I get to this point, I really want to be drafting a wide receiver for the way my team's built in that league where I'm drafting at the one Oh one. And I don't know what to do here because it's like, okay, do I reach a round and a half and take a guy like a Bateman or a Juju or somebody who may slip all the way back around to me? Or do I take one of these guys who I don't really like the, the running backs kind of in this range. I'm also not in love with. So what do you guys do if you're stuck at a position where everybody at the top of the ADP list is just really not, not your favorite do you reach? Do you like pivot to maybe quarterback or tight end and try and take somebody you think can finish like first overall at one of those positions? I always like How that do you strategy. I, I tend to, you know, look a little further down the draft board, see if there's a name there that I think is a sleeper and is worth actually taking in a situation like that. But I, you know, more often than not do end up, uh, you know, pivoting and taking a, a tight end or something in that scenario. Usually too, that, that'll happen in a spot where I'm like, this is the last tight end I would even want on this team at all. You know what I mean? And um, it's not necessarily they're going to finish number one overall. Cause that's, you know, probably not going to happen in the sixth round with a QB or a tight end when five are both off the, the board already, but you could get lucky, but more, more than that, you know, you could just have a guy that will help your team a lot more than, you know, an Allen Robinson or a Brandon cooks. If you already have a really good, wide receiving core. Um, Amari Cooper here is a name that stands out to me earlier. Jordan sent us an article, a really cool article called upside wins championships um, written by a guy named Scott Barrett. It just talks about how uh, guys who are, you know, boom bust can, can really be more beneficial to your team than you may have thought previously. Um, That analysis kind of sticks out with a guy like Amari Cooper who can just disappear on weeks, but he can also put up a 30 point week. Well, uh, that's not that's not really what the article was saying like because the article wasn't talking about weekly finishes which matter more for like uh you know like uh the the pay-to-play leagues the um the DFS weekly stuff. dfs stuff, DFS yeah. stuff. yeah yeah the, the article sports. was talking about a guy who has the upside to finish at like number one fin- right. actually finish at number one and how much that matters to your team versus like 
drafting a guy who's going to finish at wide receiver eight or something. That's that's almost the exact same as drafting a guy who's going to finish wide receiver 20. It makes no difference for your team. Yeah. Whereas drafting the wide receiver one, like if you if last year you had Cooper Cup, your odds of making it to your championship game were probably, was- you know, uh, like almost twice as good as anybody else in your league. Yeah, the championship roster, I think, was like, I heard was like 50-something percent if you had Cooper Cup on your team. Yeah, in 2019, if you had uh, Christian McCaffrey, then you had a a 48% chance of making your championship. And if you had Lamar Jackson, who was a 10th round draft pick that year, you had over 30% chance. So if you had the two of them on your roster... You were almost guaranteed you, to make the You could have built the rest of your roster off the waiver wire and gone to the championship. Yeah. So, so with well, so I think it still kind of holds matter. up with, with a guy like Amari Cooper. And I know he's never finished in even like the top 12 wide receivers. But Deshaun Watson coming back at the end of the year, he possibly. could be one of those. That's a good point. That's a good point. It's possible. That's we, where Amari Cooper, that's where his upside lies for me. Exactly. Is, is Deshaun See, Watson. See, I... Are you a what, gambling man? What you said about Amari Cooper having the ability to have like a 40 point game is totally true. The problem is Amari Cooper, his entire career has disappeared completely from games, no matter who his quarterback was, whether it was Dak or whether it was Carr, or whether it was, you know, any, repl- any of the replacements for those guys, it doesn't seem to matter. Amari Cooper is week to week, boom, bust. That doesn't finish wide receiver one. That doesn't, you know, that's not going to win your home league for you unless he happens to have that week in championship week, and you were able to have the gusto to start him that week after he probably almost screwed up your chances to get to the championship by completely disappearing. So I don't think Deshaun Watson, even if he ends up playing the whole year, I don't think Deshaun Watson makes Amari Cooper the wide receiver one. Yeah, I will say of those three guys, I really am. I'm starting to rise a lot more on Allen Robinson. Yeah, Allen Robinson's a, a guy I'm rising on too. But. I have been watching him in practice and watching some of these catches and the throws and having a quarterback that can hit him in stride, get him in the red zone. I, there's a chance, like, there's a ch- if you're going to talk about somebody that has a chance to finish way outdo his ADP, the, we saw it with Cup. We saw it happen. Um, and I maybe think not Robinson, number one, but maybe top five or even top see, three. Yes, like that. he could jump up there. And if you talk about something, if if God forbid something happened to Cooper Cup, what would Allen? What, what would Robinson do? Where would he go if he was the number one target for Stafford in a high profile offense? I mean, he has the potential to be up there. You know, I passed on him in this because I'm sitting at the five five. But if I was at the 5'11", or your instance in our keeper league, and he came back around to me, and he was one of those receivers that's sitting there around these guys, I think you're taking the same risk with Allen Robinson that you are with Rashad Bateman. I mean, you're taking uh, – you have a less offensive-schemed uh, team in Baltimore throwing to Bateman, competing with Mark Andrews, and then you have Allen Robinson in a pass-first offense that has – yes, they have Cooper Cup, but – Cooper Cup's going to be getting a lot of attention this year. And then now you have Allen Robinson changing teams. We've seen him produce as a wide receiver one. And last year, we don't know. Was it just an outlier that he had a terrible season and he comes back and he decides to be this offensive weapon again for this team? To me, I'm the highest of all those three players, definitely on Allen Robinson. 
We're having a hard time pinning down 28-year-old wide receivers, guys. <laughs> is Michael Thomas also 28? Because he's kind of right in this range, he too. He's 29. And uh, I would take I, Robinson over Michael Thomas. I, I would. Too. I don't know what to, he was. He was the name that I was considering adding to this list. I think you could and wait just, and take Michael Thomas if you really wanted him at that point in a lot of drafts. I would. I, I would personally take guys. Robinson over Michael Thomas. I would take. I would probably. I would probably take Juju over Allen Robinson, just because of the potential upside there as well with. Mahomes and that passing offense, but Allen Robinson is becoming more and more intriguing to me in that offense, especially watching all this camp stuff that I've seen with him. That's it's, funny because Juju is going so much later than Allen Robinson. He is almost yep. in almost two full rounds. Yeah, man, that's where I would. Juju is going to be climbing before the actual draft, but for, it's hard because you have to climb stuff. up above, you know, Rashad Bateman and Gabe Davis and Drake London, guys that people are are really rising on through, through this off season. So it's like that whole round is just rising right now. If I was, if I was sitting, so I know in one of our leagues that we're going to do, I have the eighth pick. So if I was sitting at five, eight and I had to choose that in this particular draft, they went with Kyler Murray. Um, I would probably skip over a quarterback and I would go with Allen Robinson and you have the chance to get Juju in the seventh round or even in the sixth round, if you truly wanted to reach for him and take that chance. And to me, I would almost take that chance. I think there's some other players around there that I would rather have than Juju in the sixth round. But if you could hope, or, you know, if he could make it back to you in the seventh round, I would not mind having both of them. Yeah. Depending on the way your, your roster is built too. This is an area of the draft too, where I'm like straight up guys. I like the QBs right here. You're looking at, you know, Kyler Murray might slip to you. Russell Wilson's going to be there, and Jalen Hurts is going to be there. If you don't have a QB yet, like I'm fine taking them instead of one of these. You know, Allen Robinson, Brandon Cooks. Uh, you're going to talk about some of the running backs that are literally right there too, right now. So yeah, that you know, I mean, we can we can actually pivot to the the running backs that are in that position, <laughs> yeah, it's like the next three, because <laughs> I my my love him nots in this basically in this same exact position where we're we're drafting or talking about these wide receivers were you know Clyde Edwards Alaire went 6.4 Elijah Mitchell went 6.3 and uh Miles Sanders went 6.2 so it's like in that sixth round range <laughs> I'm I'm not a big fan of now I am a fan of some of the other running backs that went a little bit later same. I actually got one of those running backs a little bit later uh, that I probably would have taken over some of these guys. Um, but like, you know, where are you guys at? If, if your roster was coming down to needing a running back there. So say, say Jordan for your roster, you only had one running back um, in going into all the way down to the eighth round. But if you were toward the back end of this and you were sitting in team 10, 11, 12, would you have taken a running back? Um, there, would you have taken any of these three guys? Definitely not Miles Sanders. Um, you know, he's telling us not to take him in fantasy, and we've seen from the Eagles for years that they want to use a committee. I think that upside would much more be on with Elijah Mitchell or CEH. Those those are a little more interesting. It's official. Jordan takes it from the players, so this is everybody. Knows. Uh, <laughs> well, <laughs> 
just go watch go watch Miles Sanders last year. All right. I, I mean, you talk about a guy who only scored one touchdown. That's yeah, the guy. That's the guy. So um, <laughs> you know, Elijah Mitchell, Ceh, like. They're playing for much better offenses. Well, I, the Eagles are going to have a good offense, but their their role in the offense can actually get them in the end zone and can get them the fantasy points that you want. So. And I think Hurts steals so many touchdowns from yeah. their running backs. Like that's a big one. Yeah, for man, me. it's going to happen. He's, and I, straight up, I like Kenneth Gainwell not just because I'm a dynasty owner. He, when he touches the ball, he looks really good. He gets in the end zone. So but that's what makes me nervous about. That's the same thing that makes me nervous about San Francisco is. With San Francisco, you never know who the running back is going to be. Uh, I mean, anybody could step up one week and just turn into the running back there. Yes, I know Elijah Mitchell became the running back at the end of the season. They really trusted him. Um, you know, I think he looks great. But with that offense, you just you don't know. I would rather pivot to one of the other running backs that actually went after these three guys. Um, you know, uh, yeah, I, mean, I actually AJ got AJ Dillon at the 6.8 and I would rather have him than any of these three guys. And I'd reach for him there too. If you really are set on taking a running back for your roster construction, if you don't have Aaron Jones already, go ahead. I mean, you know, taking AJ Dillon at the beginning of the sixth round, probably not going to kill your team, man. If any of you guys are in my fantasy league, please don't reach for him though. Cause I want him there. <laughs> I so. will say on the CEH side, uh, he's been taking the, the first snaps in camp. Uh, they're letting everybody, it seems like kind of rotate through and take first team snaps, but he's the first guy up doing that. Um, I, but I still don't think that team really believes in him. I don't believe in him for fantasy. I have a really tough time going after CEH and drafts. I think I'd rather have Elijah Mitchell, uh, San Francisco, like, yeah, they're hard to know exactly what they're going to do. But in the running back position, it seems like they commit to a guy until he's hurt and then it's next man up. And so there's several who will be awesome for fantasy throughout the year. Mitchell, it seems like to me, is going to be the first guy up and then we'll see how the season plays out. Yeah, none of these guys are like really prolific pass catchers either. So it's not something that you, you know, are going to. It's that's supposed to be what C E H. Yes, exactly. C H was supposed to be that guy. Yeah, let's see. And they drafted him over twenty three targets. Yeah, three more targets than Elijah Mitchell. You know, they drafted him over Jonathan Taylor, and you know some of those guys that it just like you look back. Could you imagine? Could you imagine Swift or Jonathan Taylor on Mahomes throwing to Swift? Oh my gosh, that offense would be just ridiculous we all we all reside in the afc west i think we can all be happy swift isn't there <laughs> i can agree yes. with that one <laughs> so you know if you were in this position a lot of these guys went as like the third running back on the team which i find kind of interesting with all three of these teams because they didn't have a lot of wide receivers going into the sixth round so they were already you know one team had mixon and chubb Another one had Najee Harris and J.K. Dobbins, Montgomery and Brees Hall. And then they went with Sanders, Mitchell, and Clyde Edwards-Alaire. So would you pivot here then, and would you have went with one of those wide receivers that we've been talking about uh, You know, that went in the seventh round? I mean, granted, one of those players did fall back into that. The one that got Elijah Mitchell ended up getting Juju, but would you take that risk or would you have reached for one of those wide receivers to pull them up into the sixth round to kind of solidify your wide receiver depth? Because they didn't neither. None of those teams really had wide receiver depth at all. I, I don't hate reaching into the, who would be in the seventh round to get your guy there. Um, but if you're, if you're there at the, you know, beginning of the sixth round, 
you're not gonna see anybody come back to you for a long time so that was really lucky that that happened where juju got back to him because there was happened to be tight ends and qbs and everything going in those rounds and maybe that is how it's going to be in your league too but you really can't rely on that especially when like the value that is apparent in these kind of mid rounds at wide receiver i almost expect most drafts to be like wide receiver wide receiver well, this is where we talk about roster construction too, Definitely. and ignoring and some of the yeah, and ignoring some of the ADP. Mm-hmm. When you're at the back end of a draft, you have such a long distance before a player gets back to you that it's not always smart to just go with that right. best available player there. Like, just because a player is available and a player is there doesn't necessarily mean that you have to take that player. Mm-hmm. You don't have to go with a running back there because their ADP says that that's who you should draft. Dude. Look ahead at something that's going to help your roster. And I actually, you know, heard this on the ballers podcast, shout out to the ballers, love them. But Fantastic. you know, they talk about drafting backwards, looking so far in advance in your draft at what could or could not be there for you. And you have a chance to get a running back later on in the draft that's going to have almost the same exact value as these three guys that you're looking at right now in the sixth round. But those wide receivers don't necessarily have the same upside for you. Part of your draft prep should be looking at who your late round targets are and then figuring out if those guys are going to fall to you, who does that mean you want to like avoid or pivot off of in the earlier rounds is essentially what they're saying. Like, you know, if, like, uh, we're like going to talk about Harris some of these guys that seem like really just like the, the stabilizing factors that you could put in your squad that are going to score some points, but that might not be who you want. Like they might never see your flex position. If later down in the draft, you're dra- you know, swinging for the fences and taking James cook or, you know, or a wide receiver that you really believe in with a Rashad Bateman or something like that. Well, and also like, you know, if you're going to take, if you're going to take a shot on James cook and you know that that's somebody you truly believe in and you're going to like, you're grabbing him at a spot where you're pretty sure you're going to get him, you know, just below his ADP at a, at a spot you're comfortable with, then you're not going to want to take Devin Singletary around and a half before that, like, or around mm-hmm. before that, like, you know, you don't want to do those things. So you need to know who you're going to be taking later in the draft before you make your early picks. It, yeah. it makes it so much easier. Yeah, it so. makes makes it way easier. It takes guys off the board. And uh, talk, talking about James Cook is a great way to segue into my love him nots because James Cook is one of the names here. And that's kind of for a different reason than, um, you know, like I not that I don't believe in James Cook and wouldn't want him on my team or anything like that. I think that this year could be a, a really solid year for him if he's going to be their pass catching specialist. And that's the reason why they drafted him and they weren't happy with anybody else doing that last year. It was a really nice window for him. But the thing with James Cook and my other two names here are Cordero Patterson and uh, Tony Pollard. So we're looking at the James Cook was drafted at the 9-3, Cordero Patterson and Tony Pollard about a round before him at the 8-2 and 8-1. And the thing that I have against James Cook is that my love hymns are the next people drafted after James Cook in pretty much every single draft. So I want so badly there to draft a wide receiver, one of these Chris Olave, Kadarius Tony, uh, Alan Lazard. You know, even even Tyler Lockett can be a really good value there at the beginning of the ninth round. But I would probably rather have one of those three guys that I just named. Um, if somehow like Traylon Burks slips there, and you're looking at Burks or James Cook, I'd probably rather go with Burks as the rookie that i want in my redraft team this year so 
Yeah, this one was really roster specific, I think, with James Cook, too, because, you know, this was the instance where Jordan went, you know, hero RB, zero RB toward the end of the draft. And so I think James Cook was that person that on his roster, it worked out really, really well Mm -hmm. for him because that's a running back that has the potential to be a higher running back, could end up in his flex position or even as his RB2 if he takes over more of that backfield there. So I think that's beneficial there. But I I mean, I agree this whole eighth through, you know, ninth uh-huh. round is is such a weird one with running backs because there's so many running backs that have such high upside, but there's also running backs that, you know, I think are a little bit lower. You don't really know what you're going to get. We don't know what Tony Pollard's involvement is going to be this year. We don't know what Cordell Patterson's involvement is going to be this year. You know, yep. yeah, last year he started out the season on fire, but he also had multiple RB 37, 47. You know, he had multiple really, really low running back positions. So, yeah, and then they use like a day three pick on a running back. Is that right? Like yeah, Tyler Algier in the Algier. fifth round. Fifth round. Yeah, um, so. But that's probably more competition than Patterson had all last year in that backfield. <laughs> you so, you know, um, and he Pollard's- was someone that people thought would go a lot earlier in the draft. So he really fell to them. Um, Pollard's an interesting one because he was so efficient last year and people really want to believe he's going to like maybe take over the backfield. That's not going to happen. Like, please temper your expectations because Zeke is going to get the work. He's paid like he's going to get the work and they're going to have to give him volume in order to try and run the offense the way they want to do that. Um, Pollard's still an awesome guy who Brandon was talking about earlier. He he's in a 12 team league or a big league. He may very well be a reliable flex for your team. Um, because they're running both of them at the same time. Yeah, I mean, yeah, there's been multiple the offensive, field. you know, in in camp right now. There's been multiple offensive sets where, uh, you know, Zeke's running as the fullback, or Pollard's running and he's going out wide, and they're throwing screen passes, and you know, they're running. I think they're going to utilize both of them, but I also think temper your expectations on Pollard this year. They're still going to lean on Zeke. He's never finished outside the RB twelve in his career. And honestly, and he didn't do I it don't... last year, <laughs> like while he was hurt, he yes. still had a top twelve finish. Yeah, and while Tony Pollard was working his way into yeah. you know into relevant status, so. like granted, Zeke's points per game was not probably top twelve. He may have finished his RB twelve. His once his injury hit, it kind of changed it a little bit. But he's going to get the goal down work. You know, he's going yeah. to get yep. that work, and that's what he that's where he scores. Um, so one of the interesting things here, I think is that like, we've kind of got names, like people talk about the RB dead zone being like, you know, around like some people say it starts at three or four and definitely five and six. And then some people say it ends at, you know, six or seven, some say seven or eight, somewhere in there. Uh, you know, it's all about the value on these guys and it's all about what you truly believe about their upside and what they, you know, what, how high they could go this year. Yeah, this, and this draft feels almost like there's more dead spots than dead zone, you know? I think you have the potential to go very wide receiver heavy this year. I think a zero RB draft in this season's draft could actually work because of the amount of potential RB1s that are still in the eighth and ninth round. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm not telling everybody. A zero RB draft only works if 
not everybody in your draft is doing it. Yeah, if your yeah. whole draft starts going zero RB, pivot. Like, yeah, scoop up that value. Yep. Yeah, you can't you can't all go zero RB. But if if you're Start one of the very CMC few people and Jonathan Taylor at the back turn on the one two yeah, and like just if do you pull it. that off, you yeah, I'll be absolutely amazed. If you pull well, that off, never please send happen, me that. But yeah, send us pictures if you do yeah. manage that because your league mates all decide they want to go wide receiver in the first round or something. And please send me an invite to that league. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> on that note, real quick, guys, uh, how early are you willing to go wide receiver in this draft in the first round? In the first number round? three, number three with Justin Jefferson. Take your pick of Jefferson or Cup at three after you take JT and Christian McCaffrey. Yep. I feel just about the same way, folks. I could also see the argument, though, that you should take Derrick Henry above. I, would, I mean, you I could would, take Derrick Henry at the 101. I would still do believe. one, two, three as RB. Uh, I could see in four, five, you know, four, five, six. I could see definitely going wide receiver. Personally, if I had the first four, one of the first four picks, I'm probably going to go running back. Um, I think it's at five where I would start to pivot to go wide receiver, uh, which is what happened in our draft. But, Mm -hmm. um, you know, I I think uh, this year is probably one of the few years where you actually are going to see wide receivers going in that top three. It's been pretty rare recently that we've seen a wide receiver go in the top five even. It's yeah, pretty standard where six. Yeah, the, the seventeen game season just makes a little bit of a difference, man. You you have to play more games, and your wide receivers are generally going to stay a little more healthy than your running backs. So does that change for you in a half PPR? In number three, Th- uh, three is going to catch a bunch of balls. Three is just the earliest I would go, and you know what? After I'm lower reading on that article, which um, I'm going to pull it up so I can shout out the guy's name before we close out. But after reading that article, I was looking at my Eckler pick, and I was like, I should have taken Derrick Henry over Austin Eckler. I just I'm more confident that uh, he would finish as the RB one overall, even in a full PPR, because because of what he can do as far as just how much volume he's going to be given. But and it was, it was a Scott done. Barrett article, Upside Wins Championships, the 2021 Redux. It's a really interesting article if you want to go check that out. Some really good information. So, yeah. Um, Definitely. Yeah, sure. so just before we close out, guys, want to go ahead and uh, shout out everybody who's listened to this couple first few episodes. You guys rock. Thank you so much for sticking with us. we got a lot more content coming out. We're going to be hitting TikTok pretty soon. Uh, make sure you go follow us on Twitter at each of our individual Twitters. Mine is at BCFF underscore Josh. Our main Twitter is at Best Coast FF, and I'll let these guys introduce theirs. Yeah, I'm Jordan. You can find me at BCFF underscore Jordan. And uh, I'm Brandon at BCFF underscore Brandon. We are going to be probably rolling out some uh, YouTube videos as well soon. We're going to start recording the podcast, uh, putting a little bit more information out there, our uh, ranking should be out soon too. Um, mm-hmm. If you hit us up on uh, Twitter, give us some like trades that have happened in your leagues and stuff. We'd love to discuss some of the trade options. Right now, we've been focused a little bit more on redraft because the redraft season is coming up. But we will be talking about dynasty as well, mm-hmm. uh, best ball as well. We like to talk about all of them, but right now we're focusing a little bit more of a, our attention on redraft, just gearing everybody up for their drafts that are going to be happening in like three weeks. It's draft season. We got oh boy. Five, it's the most five exciting weeks. time of year. Yeah. Five weeks till football starts back up. So, you know, um, definitely, definitely hit us up online. Ask us any questions that you guys have. Uh, we'd love to bounce some feedback, you know, 
go back and forth with the with everybody on where they where they would draft some of these players in their love hymns or love yeah, him nots. You if, know, if Ceh, Miles Sanders, and Elijah Mitchell are guys that you love, not uh, not not your love him nots, please. By all means, just berate Brandon on Twitter. I want to see it. Oh uh, yeah, I'm, I'm all for it. Come at me. Let's do it. Let's. I love the conversations. I do. Uh, you know, I, I go back and forth with people all the time on there. So would love to hear it. Uh, we really appreciate everybody stopping by. Please hit that follow, like the podcast. If you guys, wherever you guys are listening to it, we really appreciate everybody supporting us right now. So thank you. <laughs>